All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's time for the Wally Mathot Show. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Volume of Thought Show, our one-year anniversary edition. I'm Brent Wallace. He's 13-year NHL veteran defenseman Mark Mathada, also known as Mester Domus. Um, Meth, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. It's good to be here. <laughs> Did you get me a gift? No. I. You know what? I, I didn't even realize it was the, that anniversary date until you just told me before the show yeah. started. So this is yeah. news to me. I, I'll get you something. I'll get you and Craig something nice. I'm shocked by the fact that you didn't know this. <laughs> you're you're always up on everything <laughs> all right yeah i had it i well, i had it marked on all my calendars well yeah. this was a very important date i just i just didn't get a chance to look at the calendars this morning i, I would have figured it'd be in your diary entry but anyway <laughs> uh as always the volume of thought show brought to you by sportsinteraction.com canada's online casino and sportsbook sportsinteraction.com slash volume of thought for the most competitive live daily odds uh sports interaction is canada's leading online sportsbook and Matt, that reminds me, I'm just going to go right back to Tuesday. I, I placed a bet. I took all the money I had in my account and placed it on the Sens because the over under, or sorry, the, the money line was so big uh, that I figured, why not? And then the Sens go up 2 nothing, And I think, and I'm, I'm rich. And well, then you, you sent that in the group chat, me. right? Like, so you were up, because I missed the beginning of the game. And you sent that in the chat. I'm like, oh, no, I'm, my prediction's going to be way off because you said that they're up 2 nothing, right? Yeah. So what happened after that? Just got pummeled. 
<laughs> I can't believe I nailed that one. Like to the right I down to the score. And I took the over. It was, it was a, but, but that was an easy one for me because it's Tampa Bay in Tampa. That is such a hard building to play in. You have to pay attention to my predictions, especially when they're on the road. Cause I know the tough buildings that they play in Florida, Florida is another one. Like that is a legit other building that can be very hard to play in at times. Yeah, I've, anyway. I, they scored two goals and two shots. I thought, and I, as I sent the text, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I, I, I shouldn't be doing this. I know better. I sent it anyway. <laughs> and then Craig just piled on afterwards. You jinxed it. It's like yeah. calling a shootout, like, like, or not a shootout, a shutout during the yeah. game. Like you just don't do that, especially when you're in the locker room. Do, um, do you remember the Tampa arena has the Tesla coils? If you look up in the corners. Yeah, it's awesome. It's unbelievable. Wild. And they, they, and they'll play like thunderstruck. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's still thunderstruck, but it was that or ride the lightning, the Metallica song, like they, they, they'll flip flop and it fired me up so much. Like oh. you get into that building and I was just ready to go. When you see those coils coming down and you hear the, 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 the rock music playing, it was awesome. It's why. And it, so for those, those people that don't know, they're called Tesla coils and they they're up in two corners. They're apparently 30 grand each. I think it is. And they yeah. create lightning. Um, and it's a buzz in the building. So when I did the Stanley cup final there and those things went off, like it's, it's wild. Like it was an amazing time. That's one of those moments. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, yeah. why is Florida tough to win in other than does it, you know, why is it because of the beach? It's no, well, I'll just speak like from, from my experiences going down there, like, you know, you're, you're coming up from Ottawa and it's cold up here. Like a lot of the climates, even in New York, like this, is not just Ottawa. It's not just exclusive to Ottawa. So, <laughs> but when you go down there and you get off the plane, you just feel the humidity, right? All of a sudden a part of your mind is saying vacation mode, it's vacation mode. And like, if you're down there a day or two prior to your first game guy, a lot of guys are going to go down to the beach, especially if you're staying in Fort Lauderdale. And the first thing we do is we belly up at a taco place and we drink <laughs> beers. Like that it's is the true. first thing. It, it's completely unavoidable, but you have several groups. You have the guys that like to drink more beer than the other groups. So oftentimes that first game <laughs> in the Florida trip, you're a little sloppy, you know, between being a little lethargic from the humidity and the heat is also a little bit of beer in your system still. Um, and then of course, by game two, you're starting to feel yourself. I actually think Ottawa is going to look a lot better against Florida tonight. Yeah. I just, I still think with Florida's firepower, when I made the prediction, I have to be honest with myself and the numbers. But yeah, Florida's Florida's a tough building to play in only because the weather. And I still remember like rolling in and we got in there. I think the last year I was there and Dion was there. I have a picture somewhere in my phone where he's like staring at me and flexing. But I, I, I got a picture of him as he was taking his shirt off, like his suit off in the, in the locker room. And he just had the worst lobster tan burn that you've ever seen in your life. And it was amazing. <laughs> so we were all dying laughing. I know I've told the story before, but we're on the ice for pregame warmup. And I forget which Florida Panther it was, but Dion would always stretch by the center ice red line. Yeah. And, you know, so we're all skating around and I'm dying because I'm waiting to want to see the reactions from some of the Florida Panthers because he was beat red, like legitimately red, like the, the Wally and Mathot symbol on my hat. <laughs> and one of the guys, it could have been, it was a player. It was a former teammate of Dion's, I think. But anyway, we were all having a laugh together at Santa Rice because, you know, he wasn't wearing sunscreen, of course. So uh, lots of fun. There's always a lot of good stories that come from those Florida trips. I'm sure both of you could attest to it. What's the one bar, Wally? It's uh, Elbow well, Room? Yes. Is I was just going to say, yeah. as you walk down from the hotel, which is the, is it the Ritz Carlton there? I, I think yes. it's the Ritz, right? Great hotel. Oh, Great beautiful, hotel, yeah. right? And so, but the best yeah. part is the players all get the oceanside view and you can always look over. Wow. 
we're at the back yeah. of the parking lot the air conditioning so you got ducks. you've got the bush league lagoon yeah. view like a- yeah <laughs> <laughs> so and i do like it's it's i don't know 100 meters down and it's these three little bars or it's one bar but it's just right there by the beach so i could always remember yeah. coming back from dinner and by the end of the night it just seemed like the entire team and all the media and everybody were at this one bar just having some yeah. lagunitas it's great it's yeah. great. I miss that. I miss heading down to Florida, getting off the plane yeah. in the middle of winter because, you oh, know, what a great so excuse, good. right? You're doing it. It's you're getting paid yes. to do this. And yes. uh, you don't yeah. realize in the moment how fortunate you are until you're done and removed from that. And you're like, man, I wish I could go back and appreciate it. more. Yeah, <laughs> it's that stuff. I remember, I think Florida was the first yeah. time we had gotten perhaps a police escort because they used to do it for that arena because it yeah. was so far away. Well, uh, and we always did the escort as well in New Jersey, right? So it was, yes. it was New Jersey and Florida. Uh, Carolina occasionally, no? Did you get Carolina? I'm trying to think. I can't remember. I uh, don't remember Carolina, but it doesn't you, matter. The, yeah. the, the escorts in general are badass. Like, they're so much fun, right? You just rip right to the rink. The cops cut, like, like right through, like, butter on the highway to so, get you there through all the traffic. It's, it's awesome. The Sens got Winnipeg in trouble. I don't know if you were on the team at the time. Uh, I know Jordan Silmser, who was the travel guy, got a lot of shit because I forget how it happened, but Winnipeg, uh, Ottawa had gotten a police escort in Winnipeg and the Winnipeg f- people saw it and flipped out and wanted didn't want the taxpayers to pay it. And so I think the Sens had to pay for the police escort. The teams, the teams always pay for the escort. Not in the U.S. In the States. No. Oh, well, in Florida, New Jersey, the team, that's why I was kind of surprised there. Like, the, this has nothing to do with the tax. No, but Winnipeg, they, that's yeah. my fault then. Yeah, okay. that was it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, like, they shouldn't, well, they shouldn't be paying for an escort. I, I will get no, them that. I forget Despite me despising too. Winnipeg as a whole, because I just think the city's <laughs> terrible. Um, yeah, we'll I, I, I just, yeah. yeah, okay, we'll move on. <laughs> we don't have a lot of Winnipeg viewers, so we're yeah, good. Yeah, all of a sudden, our Edmonton and Winnipeg viewers are down. Um, Edmonton, I don't mind. Edmonton's fine. And now that they have the new building there, that city rocks. And in Mexico, uh, I met a couple from from Edmonton. And all we did was talk about the Oilers all week. It was amazing. These guys would travel back from Arizona. He's retired. Travels from Arizona to, to Edmonton back and forth. And he's got season tickets right down there on the glass. And he's talking to me about McDavid the whole time. So we had a lot of fun with that. But anyway, I have, no, I have all, nothing but love for Edmonton, okay? Yeah, I have a this is a legit question, which is going to throw Craig way, way off because it's not in the lineup. Is if you had a choice right now to take either Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid as a pair, or Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner as a pair, not in the playoffs because I think Mitch Marner is not a playoff person at the moment. Which pair do you Ooh. want on your team? <laughs> I hope Craig cuts that clip and, <laughs> and we tag all the Toronto fanboys to it, and then you get attacked by them. Um, no, I, I, I would take Dreisaitl and McDavid in a heartbeat. Um, the, the, the pace that they play at together, um, and they've, I mean, they've got had a little more success, I want to say, in the postseason. It's, it's hard to say right now. Yeah. It's yeah. probably pretty close. I know it's, it's you can't, but I, I know I, I like those two. I, I like if as a player, I'd rather play against Matthews and Marner. And, and they're very good, very, very good players. I don't like stacking them up against each other, but if I had to pick, I'd say McDavid and Dreisaitl are a little more dangerous. See, I Austin Matthews to me this game is on a different level right now. Right now I, it is. Yeah. Yes. But I want to see him and Marner do it in the postseason because those exa- two fell asleep agreed. last year. Agreed. So that's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, because I, I think Mitch Marner's skill level is off the charts. Right? Oh, I, yeah. Marner, Marner's ability, 
Varner, actually, you, there are a lot of, like, they're very different in many ways, but they're also yeah. very similar in the way they handle the puck going up the neutral zone between him and Dreisaitl. Um, They're very, very good at penetrating that up the middle of the ice and creating uh, lanes for Matthews and, and McDavid, respectively, you know, on their team. So they're both very good players, a little different, um, but I don't like to, comp- I hate comparing the two because I'm sure one fan base will be pissed off, but you know what? I'm still going to stick to it. McDavid, Dreisaitl. Okay, well, uh, in either one of those fan bases will be Ottawa, so that's all we care about. Um, by the way, our guest today is eventually, when we get to it, is Radic Bonk. He's the uh, sixth leading scorer all-time in franchise history. He really basically yeah. helped to stabilize this organization way back in the day. He was the third pick in the first round, I guess, if you will, after Alexi Ashen and Alex Degg. It was then Radic Bonk who had the great flow uh, and the mullet. So uh, he's into the show. I'm excited because he never does interviews like this. We haven't talked to him in years, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, as always, nice. that, by the way, Matt, is brought to you by the always cool, refreshing taste of whitewater beer. New flavor alert, Math. New flavor alert. It's a kiwi lime sour called Funky Fresh. Ooh. See, I think that you should have had this in Mexico. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I was using uh, the Dawn Patrol the other night for my beer canned chicken. And then, of course, I still had three quarters left. So I smashed that and had another one. But uh, (laughs) uh, love their, like their citrus beers are great for even for cooking. Like they're fantastic beers but they're very versatile. This is not, by the way, part of the ad. That's just me fawning over some of their good beer. I'm just a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, so the Funky Fresh, like, as and I've always joked with them a bit. I'm not a huge sour guy. As you know, I'm pretty straight-laced. They're, is, they're great in the summer. They're great in the, the summertime. Actually, they're yeah. good in the winter, too, because they're a little heavier. But but I associate them like that, like the Kiwi the kiwi Lime one. That one, I'm yeah. very curious. I don't know how that works. I'm going to be – it'll be interesting. It launches uh, today, actually. New coupon code, by the way, for it. So – Go to nice. shopwhitewater.ca, use uh, wham-funkyfresh. It'll be up on the screen. That's in the coupon code. Get 15% off, but it includes the entire Whitewater brand. You can use it for anything. Uh, Whitewater, as always, is brewed by friends for friends. Um, it is the official beer of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Get home delivery and also a reminder, stop by the restaurant if you want. A 78 Cobden Road, grab a pint and a meal. Uh, great poutine there, by the way. Um, all right, Matt, time for a little bit of sense talk, and that is let's start with number one. And as of the time we're recording this, Josh Norris is set to make his return after missing 15 games. They get their number one center back in the lineup. This just basically a couple of days after getting Colin White uh, in for his season debut. Uh, they are 6-8-1 and one without Josh Norris in the lineup. Of course, that also includes not having Drake Batherson as well. Uh, huge boost to this sense. Yeah, and, and, and Whitey's been good. I mean, I, I, I think a lot of people have been pleasantly surprised with his play. Um, although it's been very small, of course, but but nevertheless, that's good. You got start. Good news for Ottawa. He's had yeah. a good start. Um, and then, of course, now when you get Norris back, you're getting your number one guy. And it's not just offensively where he's very good, by the way, on their power play. It's also just your your 200 foot game. You know, like yep. so, a player like him. Not that Ottawa's been struggling that much defensively, save maybe last game against Tampa, where Tampa kind of opened it up a little bit, but. Um, with Josh Norris, you're going to get a guy that's very good on draws. He's very responsible. He's obviously one of the big leaders on this team, uh, brings goal scoring back into this lineup. So it's, I, I could go on and on about the, the, the numbers and the, the trivial stats. None of that really matters. What's most important is that you're going to get a leader back who logs big minutes. Uh, the question will be how healthy is he and, you know, can he, can he sustain a full game? But I'm sure they're prepared for that. And um, they'll probably have to dial back his minutes a little bit to start. Um 
one thing to point out, you brought up the power play. Without him in the lineup, again, it includes Drake Batherson, their power play is just a 10%. You can see where it hurts them, obviously, as you talk about the power 100%. play. 100%. Yeah. Uh, the other thing it does, that, and people, I guess we gloss this over a lot, is when you put someone back in your lineup that is your number one center or slots back into where he belongs, it moves that person that's in that lineup, in that spot, who may not be where he should be, right? So it gets them back into the lineup where they should be playing, which makes your lineup a whole lot better. Oh, yeah, exactly. Then that's, that's, it's the same, the same thing applies on defense. You know, when you see yeah. a player like Zub, well, Zub's pretty healthy all the time, but even with Shabbat, all of a sudden you had to have Branstrom up there playing extra minutes. It's the same applies to everywhere, right? Everyone slots back into their respective roles and, you know, the responsibility lessens a little bit more. They're more comfortable playing those regular minutes that they're accustomed to against the lines that they're accustomed to. And yeah. it's a huge difference. One player, can make a huge difference. So that's especially when we're talking about the top six up front. So like I said, it's a huge boost for this team. Uh, for me, the biggest thing will be, can he last the 60 minutes? Is he fully yeah. healthy? Is he, are, is the injury still lingering? Is there, are there still issues? If he can get past all that, which I'm sure he has, they have a fantastic medical staff there on that team. So uh, I have all the confidence in the world that he'll make a big difference tonight. Um, you just made me think of something when it came to injuries. And I meant to bring this up to you was, uh, yeah. Colin White in the last game of Tampa, Corey Perry's kind of running around. And I know you know Corey Perry very well from London, but he's yep. got a hold of Colin White behind the net. And I'm curious of your thoughts because there's no way Corey Perry doesn't know that Colin White's just back into the lineup recently from shoulder surgery that's kept him out all year. Is yeah. there a line to not draw across? I like I I I think that's why Brady's kind of pissed also at the same time. Like he's like, you can't touch Whitey right now. He's just coming back from injury. Is it, is there a line there you have to look after? Or if you're on the ice, you're basically fair game. You're fair game. I mean, okay. it's, it's, I mean, and, 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 and two things can be true and Brady's allowed to get upset as well. You know, like yeah. that's, that's what happens when you play a contact sport, right? I mean, it's not like players targeting anybody in particular, but you're certainly not going to take it easier on a guy because maybe he's coming back from shoulder surgery who like, I don't care. Like this is, yep. So if I'm, if I'm an opponent and I know you're just asking and you're probably agreeing with me, but if you know if you're the opponent and you're Corey Perry, you don't want to look stupid on the play. So you're going to play everybody hard. You're going to make sure that you're physical. You, even if it means a cheap shot here and there, that's just, that's hockey. That's, you know, that's the game within the game that you have to play in. Uh, and then Brady of course is going to do his job as, you know, I don't want to call him an enforcer by any means, but, um, but he's fully capable of doing that yeah. role if he has to. And um, but that's also I played with with pairs lots in, in junior and I've we've always kind of had a mutual respect I used to play against them a ton when I was in Columbus and he was in Anaheim and I played him hard you know we were really good buds we won a Memorial Cup together but I also laid him out every opportunity I had in in, 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 in Columbus that's just seriously so so not all you know all the table once you're on the ice your livelihoods are at stake you know there's money on the line you, these guys have families I know Corey Perry does it's like I don't care what happened to you last game or what happened to you four months ago if I can run you over, I'm going to run you over. And that's the game. When you ran him over, did you ever say anything like, hey, how you doing? No, but like, he would like, you could hear him kind of squirm a little bit, you know, like, we're like, oh, like, or, you know, he'd, he'd say like, come on, Matt, like, like guys like that. And we would yeah. laugh at times too. It's not like I was playing dirty, but I would finish my checks and, you know, being a little bit bigger than Corey. I mean, he's very tall, but I was heavier. I would, I'd have a yeah. little more, more muscle on him, but but I mean, it's, that's part of the game, right? Like I played against a lot of guys that I've had a bit of a history with, and you have to understand that once you're out there, 
you know, like, I don't want to look dumb by taking it easy on you. If I take it easy on a forward for a split second and he makes me look stupid, well, guess what? I go back to the bench and I get reamed out by the coach. So that's just, it's part of it. Does Corey Perry enjoy being the heel in the National Hockey League? Oh like my God, Corey Perry. I mean, Corey Perry was, was a, an elite. I mean, he's always been an elite scorer and point yeah. guy. But when I played with him in London, I mean, this guy <clears throat> was our top scorer. He had over a hundred points. Uh, that especially that Mem Cup season, and um, you know, I still remember him playing in the uh, against. We were playing against Ramuski in the Memorial Cup in the in the, in the uh, even in the final, the final game, I believe it was. He was a pest. He was getting under the Ramuski player's skin. You know, he was giving guys little hacks in the back of their legs. He would stop short or a, a little extra late, I should say, and uh, in front of the opponent's net. Anything he could do to get under the skin, he would do. And I remember him taking some big cheap shots. Like guys, one guy suckered him pretty hard and almost knocked him out in a game. That's part of his game. I believe his nickname is still the worm. Uh, it's just, he likes to play the heel role and, and he's really good at it. And look at him. He's my age and he's still playing and yeah. he's playing very well. He's having a good season. He is. He's playing really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trade deadline is nearing on March 21st, 18 days away. Uh, by the way, Chris Tierney's out for a week. Uh, which yeah. isn't a big deal usually, but when the trade deadline's approaching and you're a UFA, everything seems to get ratcheted up. But the guy I really want to kind of ask about is Nick Paul. So you've been in the room and you know from a, a month out, all the reporters are coming in and going, you know, is there concern over a trade deadline? Are you worried? Are you thinking about it? Like we bring it up every day. So with three uh -huh. weeks to go roughly, What's the mood like in a room where there's so much for decisions that need to be made with certain guys? Well, I hope they sign Nick Paul, Wally. I think everybody, I, I speak for a lot of the fans yep. when I say that because I, and I'm not a, like, I've, and I've said this before, I know I'm not a big numbers person, so I don't always understand the business transaction aspect of the, of, of the game where sometimes you'll see a puzzling move where there was actually many underlying reasons for moving said player. But um, I can say that the mood is a little awkward, especially for a player like Nick Paul. Obviously, he's a pro. He's not going to let it bother him. But at the same time, it's on your mind every time, every day you go to the rink, right? And you start to develop a little bit of a, um, what's the right word? You know, not it's not resentment, but it creates some little, some shitty tension. feelings. Because, yeah. yeah, yeah, tension would be the right word. Because you're going to the rink and all of a sudden you're, you're, you're going back to the group where, you know, you know the management is playing hardball with you in your camp. And mm -hmm. they don't want to give you what you believe you deserve. And, and it's hard when you're looking at all the comparables too, right? Like I can remember when I was trying to sign my deal, very similar situation to Nick Paul, right? Like very similar timeline where free agency, free agency, where the trade deadline was approaching and it was around the corner. And I was going to the rink and thinking like, I was pissed off, you know, like I was thinking like, man, like just, just this is, I'm not asking for more than I think I, I should have. Yeah. But all, you know, these, this player and this guy and this guy that are all the very similar players to myself with the similar stat lines are all making, you know, this amount of money. I, I think I deserve that. And that's probably where Nick Paul's at right now. He's going to say the right things in the media. He's not going to throw sure. anybody under the bus. But um, that, that, that weird kind of tension that you had just mentioned, Wally, it's there. It's unavoidable. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow bigger and bigger and more palpable the closer you get to that deadline date. So it'll be interesting to see how Ottawa handles it. I still think he has to get it done. I still think they will get it done. I do firmly believe that. I don't have any insiders. I don't know his agent. Yeah. I don't talk to Paulie, but I do think it's going to get done because he's just too valuable for this team. So, you know, players like Tierney Sanford, I can see them moving. Tierney's injured. 
that might hurt the cause a little bit because certainly if you're a team on the other end looking for depth guys, you want to make sure they're healthy. But I can't speak for what their worth is. I quite yeah. frankly have no idea. Like or even for a player like Nick Paul, is he even worth a first round pick at this point? Like, I don't know the answer to that. I actually uh, have no idea. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a high second and maybe like a depth piece, yeah. but a first rounder, tough to say. Uh, back to those distractions for a second. One thing I always noticed sure. was, and, and fair enough, is if it's you that needs the deal or Nick Paul, you don't really want to speak a lot, right? You like, you don't really want to come out and talk. What to do you gain from it? Because there's nothing to anything. say. Exactly. But you know what happens is now all your teammates are getting asked. So it, so now all the other players are like, what do you want me to say? Or yeah. how do you want me to like, and so it just, it grows, right. through, it goes through the room. The other issue is you, like your girlfriend, your wife, your spouse is like, can we make plans in the next month? What can we do? So you're getting it from all different sides, right? That's yeah. why and it's, it's such a tough time. And it's a, yes. And, and, and I am acknowledging that is it, it is absolutely a first world problem, obviously. Sure. And it's not like these players are looking for, for any sympathy from anybody. It's just, as you said, when you're trying to focus on yeah. the game, which at this level, at any elite level in any sport, the focus and like the focus needed to play well every night, consistently every other night, like it's insane. Like you're devoting all your focus into this game, into this craft. So any little distraction can be a, a major thing and it can affect your game and your performance on the ice. And we might be seeing that a little bit right now with Polly. I mean, you know, like that, that weighs heavy on you. It's your job security moving forward. That's the funny thing with sports, right? It's like, you don't know what's going to happen next year. He could play 10 terrible games in a row yep. and it could seriously affect the value that he may or may not sign on that next deal so there's a lot of play uh, i'm sure he's starting to feel the heat a little bit i'm sure the yeah. team is starting to feel the heat a little bit but at the end of the day i do firmly believe that something will get done i mean he's just that valuable right now so we'll see yeah and i'm and i'm not suggesting at all that people are complaining it's just i'm trying to just show oh, no, no, no. the dynamic of what all is transpiring but uh, it's unbelievable that we have yeah. to talk about that now like i i i felt compelled to mention Oh, I understand. It's a first world problem. Like I hate that I even have to say that uh, shit see, because I don't we're even talking, think of that. Like, we're talking sports. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Anyway, but it, but in any case, you're right. He's gonna have family members reaching out to him, his wife yeah. or a girlfriend, whoever is gonna be curious. Everyone's gonna be asking him questions. We all have these damn cell phones now and social media, and it's almost impossible to not see the news and the articles popping up. So um, I don't envy his position at this moment. I've been through it. It sucks. It weighed heavy on me when it went when I went through it. It, yeah. Hell, it caused physical issues. I'm pretty sure my back problems had a big, were a big reason from all the stress, right? Like, I think there was a correlation there, but, uh, and, and I'm repeating myself for the third time. Yeah. I think, I do think it'll get done. So we'll see. I hope so. I, I, the longer it goes, the more I, I get worried, but again, there's no pressure point yet. So we'll see how nope, it goes. That's right. That's right. Um, speaking of anniversaries, uh, let's see here. Uh, two days ago. If, or yesterday, I'm trying to remember now. Um, March 2nd, 2014 was the day that you played the Heritage Classic oh, in yeah. Vancouver. It was supposed yeah. to be an outdoor game, but it ended up yeah. that the weather, they couldn't guarantee it, so they closed it. So it's the first outdoor game to be played in what's technically an indoor stadium. <laughs> mm. But it was fun. It was weird because it's you're just playing in a big football stadium indoors. It yeah, but it was... That, <clears throat> For it us, was open. it didn't have that feel. For you guys, I'm sure it did. Oh, well, oh, yeah. Well, in any case, we had a blast. Like, I still remember 
I just remember that evening after the game, having beers with Eric in his room because it was an afternoon game, and then we had we had the whole evening afterwards. And and Carl had a suite, and I still remember the name of the suite. I think it was called the Topaz, the Topaz Suite at the uh, Pan Pacific. But um, no, it was it was a great day. We had such a good time with that. I mean, uh, going to the arena, you were given all kinds of free swag, and obviously you're playing in a football stadium. And I, I don't remember the attendance number, but. I certainly remember the scale when you walked out yeah. through the tunnel and you could see everybody. I mean, it was really cool. And, and I love, and I know you, we laugh because it wasn't really an outdoor game, but like, I don't, I don't know. It was snowing in there during the game a little bit. The weather was perfect. It was maybe a little on the mild side. At times, it was warm, but, yeah. but for a player, it's like, I didn't have to wear some painful neck guard or a, or a toque or something like that. I mean, we could dress normal, go out there and play and, and we won the game. I mean, it was great. It was such a, it was such a blast. So um, I'll never forget that. A lot of it was a bit of a blur, but um, we got some really cool swag out of it because we were wearing those heritage jerseys, right? I, so we had the toques and the jerseys and all that. I stuff. really like those jerseys. I like, I really like sharp. the heritage. Yeah. But they don't, yeah. I wish they yeah. would bring them back. Like I, those are the ones I think are my, probably my favorite of all time. Yeah. When those had the cream, like it was, wasn't yeah. all black. It was, it wasn't the old school. Oh, it was the no. heritage. Oh, right. And it was like a cream colored beige or something like that. Yep. I think. Yeah. My, yeah. it's my daughter has that Jersey with your name on it actually. Oh, right on. Yeah. They're, well, they're awesome. They're awesome. Um, jerseys. But yeah, we had she a good also time. owns a Crosby Jersey too. But anyway, um, mm. the, you played 25, 11 of that game. You were a dash one. Nice. In, um, that's nah, okay. Daniel Sedin played six minutes and 10 seconds. Would you care to <laughs> oh, elaborate <no>. on that? <laughs> we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, I always played them hard. You know, we <laughs> joked about it when we had Bex on and, and that yeah. carried over into my Ottawa days too. Right. And because they're wall players, so they love using the walls together. So they kind of like Corey Perry and, and, and Ryan Getzlaff when they were together, they'd always use the walls to pass the puck and find each other. And, but with Getzlaff and Perry, they were a little bit bigger and stronger and more physical, but with the Sedins, I was able to bully them a little more. So I would like, they would turn their backs to try to protect the puck. And I remember doing this to them also in Columbus. I'd be like, okay. And I just lean on them hard from behind and they would never call those hits. Like you could lean on a guy from behind if you were really close to the wall and the rest would let it go. So I believe I caught Daniel pretty hard at the beginning of that game. I think toward the end of the first period, maybe. And um, I think he got hurt on the play. And then I still remember, you know, Bieksa and Burroughs going after me the whole rest of the game, but um, yeah, I, I always did well against the Sedins. You know, I just had a real, I just, I think I had them figured out a little bit. I can't say that about a lot of players, but I can say that about those two. I, I like, I, until you said I folded Daniel Sedin or you said I folded one of the oh. Sedins, I didn't know anything. <laughs> and then I started looking up pictures and stuff. There's some great snaps yeah. of you just, oh, pull, yeah. just play, pasting them into the corner. Yeah. yeah, he went in awkward, and I think his legs were sort of like split a little bit. So I think he may have hurt his hip or something on the play. I never want to hurt a player, obviously, but no, I certainly don't like getting scored on. So that you know, anyway, that was <laughs> an unfortunate. It was a casualty of outdoor game. I was all fired up. I, so for the media, this one we know nothing about the game because there's only one incident that happened that anybody remembers, and that's Roberto oh, yeah. Luongo didn't start. And Roberto Luongo never played another game again for the Vancouver Canucks. So that's the game where we, all we cared about afterwards was what's going on yeah. between the two of them. And so two days later, yeah. Roberto Luongo gets traded back to Florida. I, I don't uh, even remember who played. Who played in his, in his spot? Who was their backup? It was Lack. That's right. It was Eddie, yeah, Lack. Eddie Lack. Yeah. And yeah, he had played yeah, yeah. really well going in. 
Um, oh yeah. But Luongo yeah. had talked about how excited he was and had the gear right and everything was set up. Yeah, that's oh. that was torts, eh? Yeah, like just class torts. Like, I know. Why would you do that? That's what I like. I is don't that know. just a, a power move? Like when Spezza was scratched by Mike Babcock by Babcock sense and Babcock did it to like Mike Medano, I think for his thousandth game or something ridiculous. Like that's, that's, that's straight up ego. I'm sorry. Yeah. But you just don't do that. You don't do that. Like what good, what good comes from, from scratching star players like that? Like they're on your team. Those star players have signed with you. I know I'm not going to go on a long rant here. Yeah. But you've just signed these long term, not long term, but you've just signed these older all-star players and you know, you're not going to use them. You're just going to scratch them and try to use that and make an example of the player. Like that's bad form. Anyway, he got scrutinized for plenty. I don't need to get into yep. it, but um, but the same the same logic applies here with Torts and, and Luongo. You just don't. Yeah, do it. it just completely overshadowed the game, which was too bad because I mean it was pretty cool. It was you guys were the last two Canadian teams to play outdoors. Exactly, um, you nailed the, it there. It's a distraction. Yeah, totally. So for those who don't know, it was a four-two uh, Ottawa win. Clark MacArthur, Eric Carlson, Cody Cece, and Colin Greening all scored in that game. As I said, uh, four goals scored. You were minus one. Um, <laughs> I couldn't have been that bad. I played 25 minutes and we won. 25 minutes. Yeah. So there I'm doing that. something right. Yeah. Eric only played 26 something. So, oh, yeah. if I'm not, so you brought you it up. I think Eric had a suite in every hotel on the road that year. No, 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 no. I don't. Well, maybe in the hotels that the suites were available and I, okay. I'm not like, this wasn't a contentious thing. Like we're not. No, no. Eric should not I just, but as you know. said it, it reminded me of uh, I've talked to people doing stuff with travel and, and they were like, Oh yeah, Eric, cause he was the captain always got like the yeah. sweet. Yeah. Well, he deserved it. If he did get it all the time, he deserved it. Cause he was yeah. playing, you know, like Shabbat playing 27 minutes a night on one leg. So, um, you know, I, but, but I can't remember, I don't recall him always having one because okay. we'd oftentimes go hang out in his room and stuff. And, I don't always remember seeing this, but, but he probably had it more often than not. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, that uh, is the headlines coming up uh, right after this is the uh, Radic Bonk interview brought to you by Whitewater Beer. Go to shopwhitewater.ca. Use that wham-funky-fresh coupon 15% off the entire uh, Whitewater shop and use that to pick up the new flavor of mm. uh, funky fresh, it's called. It's a kiwi lime sour. Anyway, uh, we'll be right back after this. You're watching the Wally Mathot Show. Time now to welcome into the chat one of the legends of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, six <laughs> over six hundred games played with the Ottawa Senators, uh, and the one guy that gave me the most grief early on in my career and had his stall closest to the shower so he could get out quicker than anybody and avoid the media. Radic Bonk, welcome to the show. You're absolutely right. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Let's. You know what? I'm going to start right there while I can. Did you purposely? To choose that locker stall it's the one and meth you'll know about this because you were close in that corner too you guys can skip out as quick because it's the furthest from the media door basically that was my seat too that yeah. was my seat too yeah. so uh did you pick it on purpose uh no no actually uh early earlier on i wasn't on that seat i was like three four seats down yeah and then i don't even know who that was who left and i got that stall it's kind of i like that room on the, you know, you got the room on the one side, extra room. You can exactly there stuff. It wasn't because I didn't want to attack the media, but it was just a little extra room, and you had that 
you know, a foot and a half of extra on the side so you could put your stuff. So, and which is funny story now, uh, moved back here five years ago, six years ago, and our, uh, our massage therapist, ex-massage therapist, unfortunately uh, passed away last week, uh, called me and said, Bonky, I found your stall. And I was like, what do you mean you find my stall? Go to the scent store at the, at the, what's the little mall there called? Uh, oh, in Carlingwood. No, no, no. The, the coaster, the ring. What? Oh. Coaster, hockey ring. There's this outside mall. Uh, yeah, it's oh, a Tanger outlet. The outlets. Oh, yeah. yeah the outlets. Sorry, guys. I uh, totally uh, skipped. So go there. There was a the little senator store. Go there. They have your stall. And we used to sign on them when you open the lid. Of the bottom seat, you used to sign the with our names just to see who was in there. So, surely enough, I go in the store and I see the stole. I lift it up, my name's in. I was like, "Oh my god, that's my old stole!" Like, so I talked to the you know the manager there and stuff. I said, "This is my old stole. Which can I have it?" <laughs> they said, "Yeah, yeah, no problem. You know, well, and they delivered to me, and it's actually right over there. I still put my uh, you know coaching stuff in it." That's the original. Now they have the cushion seat. Now this is the water one. I still have the original one. It was uh, it worked out great. Nice. That's awesome. So Wally, if you want to, uh, Wally, uh, Mark, if you want to sit in it, sometime <laughs> for a good, you can come over anytime and just sit in it and just uh, we'll remind you of the good times. Beautiful. Were you one of Were you one of those guys? Because I'm like that. Like between periods, where you just take off all your equipment and like strip down. Is that why you needed all that extra space? Uh, I didn't totally down, but, you know, I took the top off, uh, untied my skates, took the, you know, yeah. shoulder pads, uh, elbow pads, uh, just to, because I used to change my shirt after Same. every period. Me too. So, you know, what? it's just a little relaxed, and, uh, but I like that extra, extra room. And uh, yeah, all the, all the reporters thing, that was because I <laughs> tried to get away <laughs> quickly as possible, but uh, that wasn't the reason. You didn't always like being interviewed, though. Uh, I, I wasn't a big fan. I was, you know, I, I was <laughs> still, when you asked me about this interview a week ago or so, you know, I, I was, I got nervous already and I might've been, <laughs> might've been the language barrier too, you know, I yeah, for sure. something stupid or like sound like a donkey. So <laughs> it, it wasn't because I didn't like you guys, but it's just, I wasn't, I don't think I was ever comfortable doing big interviews or even, you know, so on, but. So that was the reason why, uh, and nothing, nothing personal. No, <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly why I was always reluctant to do a lot of, like, I'm, I'm bilingual, so I speak French too, but no matter how well I think I might speak when you're doing interviews, you never want to come across the wrong way. Right. And it, I get a little anxious knowing that I have to do one so I can completely relate. But having said that you sound great. So let's just continue here. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. That's a little so, boost for my confidence here. Let's go. That's funny. Cause we always remember certain things that you've said to either Ian Mendez or I or other people. And whenever I ever think of you, the first thing that pops into my head is Marion Hosa in 0304 is leading the team. I think he ends up with like 46 goals. You're his line mate. So I go over to like every day, it seemed we'd always go over and ask you about the three point game he had. And every once in a while you would just go, what am I as fucking agent? And so <laughs> that was always the best part. Yeah. Uh, um. Did you like you and you played a lot with Haas in your first cup? Did you enjoy 
uh, him as your was he your favorite winger? I think so. I think he's still like the probably the best player I've ever played with. You know, overall, he just he just uh, me and Arvi he just completed that line. You know, before Haas came in, we were more like uh, you know do the have the defensive duties for Jacques. You yeah. know, trying to shut down the top lines on the other. But with Haas, you know, the scoring came, and uh, that's how we, we were still the shutdown line, but we transferred more to offense, you know, and where uh, everybody benefited from uh, playing against the top lines because we started to notice that the top lines usually didn't want to play a defensive, you know, in, the, in their own defensive zone. And we're like, hey, we might, you know, if you do a good job one way, we can take advantage of them uh, in, a, in the offensive zone. Um, you played, so I, when you played in the IHL for two seasons before you came to Ottawa, you had, I think it's 107 points in 109 games, but you had 208 penalty minutes. What were you doing in your, that was in one year. I don't know. <laughs> it was, it was a new game for me. I, I think I had five, 10 minutes missed contacts that year. You know what? I was, I was. You know, like I said, I came over, I didn't speak the language. I was, you know, the uh, the game was way tougher than, you know, growing up back home. You know, there was a lot of, especially in the minors, there was a lot of guys, you know, coming after you, you know, especially young kid coming from Czech Republic. And I was having great season too. So, you know, there was, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, slashing retaliation penalties and stuff like that. But I did have five, 10 minutes missed contacts. I don't even know for what, but yeah, not, uh, everybody's asking me. I was like, you must have fought a lot. I'm like, no, I had like two fights and that didn't go that well. Well, and Radic, was that, was there, cause you're, you're a big guy. Like when you came into the league uh, in your time, you know, like, like six, three, two, ten, or whatever you were at that time. I don't know exactly what your height and weight was, but I'm assuming you're one of the bigger players. Was there a lot of pressure on you from coaches or other people over here in North America to play more physical? It, it was it was you know everybody always thought you know big guys but yeah growing up back home we we didn't play the, i didn't grow up playing that game you know i was yeah. always i was always kill guy and you know we didn't fight there was no fights and check right and you got like suspended for even trying to fight it and so it was kind of different and everybody thought i should you know transition and play that kind of you know heavy game but it's uh when you grow up playing something different it's it's hard you know you gotta it doesn't yeah. come i guess naturally to you yeah i agree butch butch goring was your coach that year, the hall of famer what was he like for you as a coach because he would obviously played a completely different game than you were used to for sure oh uh, he, he was great that guy was a you know and we had bobby born another you know four time four time stanley cup champion with the islanders you know those they were awesome they're you know taught me a lot and uh, Kind of let me play my game. Let me play my game. Uh, you know, I had a couple of great teammates and uh, Patrice Lefebvre and Ken Quinney. We dominated. You know, it was a fun season. And uh, but he didn't he didn't push me into like okay, you got you big guy, you got to start hitting. He let me play the skill game, and uh, I really appreciated it. That was uh, it was a fun season. All right, so you're a teenager. You're in Vegas on your own. Oh yes. How many late nights would you have had throughout those two seasons? Zero, one. 
You know, the, the thing is, I, I did, I did uh, one of the conditions for me moving there by myself was uh, I did bring my parents. Oh, so, okay. you know, after the training camp, they, uh, I brought my parents over and, uh, you know, I had my mom's cooking still and my dad uh, drove me around because I didn't have a driver license because in Czech Republic, you get driver license when you're 18. Yeah. So uh, that was, that was awesome. I like, I couldn't have done it without them. Uh, late nights, you know, a couple times, uh, you know, boys brought me out. But remember, I was in the U.S. and I was 17 years old. So, yeah. you know, not a lot of places to lay you in uh, at that <laughs> age. But I guess me being 6'3 and uh, 200 pounds and, uh, you know, beard and <laughs> kind of helped. So guys did take me out a couple times. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't out a lot. And uh, obviously casinos were out of the question. And yeah. But uh, there's a lot more things that uh, you can do in Vegas for a kid, you know, 17-year-old kid. So I enjoy being there. It was uh, eye-opening for, for a kid from a small town yeah. in Czech Republic. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad I, I you know, was, that was an experience uh, with my life for sure. Your, your parents must have loved it, no? Like you're going into like this beautiful desert, like vacation area and you're living there for two years. How did they enjoy it? They, they, of course they did, you know, I growing up in a communist country, you know, and yeah. we only switched, I think in 89, 90, you know, after the revolution. So that was mm-hmm. an eye opening for them. Like, you know, you stores and you have everything in checks. We waited the uh, lines for bananas and oranges, you know, and then wow. you come to US and you have this grocery store. My mom was like little kid in the Lego <laughs> plant. You know, she, she yeah. All the stuff they have and, that's great. It was eye-opening for them, but uh, my dad, my dad was, you know, never a big gambler, but sometimes during my practices, we uh, practiced in the Santa Fe, kind of our practice ring, and uh, there was the casino attached to the ring, so, <laughs> you know, he was there throwing his quarters into the machines and watching <laughs> practice at the same time, but you know what, he, he never was a big gambler, so I, no. there was no, uh, no worry no. that we would spend too much money. That's good. So good. That's good. Um, how often do you think of bringing the mullet back? Oh my God! If I had quarter for every time somebody <laughs> asked me that, <laughs> you know what? The, I, people always say, "Yo, you, your mullet's so famous." He has his own uh, Twitter account, <laughs> and I, I, you know what? I should just to <laughs> just to please some people, but. <laughs> Oh, that was, that was it wouldn't look very professional as a coach, though, right? That's the only issue. You know what? The kids, uh, the, a couple of years ago, the kids, uh, I was coaching the Triple and Myers, and the kids were kind of like, Coach, you should bring it back. You should bring it back. <laughs> I, was, I was like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> because I see pictures from my draft, and you know, in the first year, and I was like, What? You're like, but then that was the, that was. That was that was the years, right? That was uh, me so, and the eggs just rocking out the. <laughs> The big mullet, uh, yeah. Some of the pictures are embarrassing, though. Like I'm like, come on, what were you thinking, buddy? <laughs> Did you and Yager always talk about the mullet? No, no, we never. I already uh, met him when I was in Vegas. You know his love for uh, casinos in Vegas. So my first year there, I met him for a couple of minutes just because you know he was one of my you know idols coming from Czech Republic. And so I met him, you know, and but we never, we never. Uh, we played on the team once, I think, during the 96 World Cup, but I don't think we were uh, the best buds. Well, you, uh, if I'm not mistaken, let me look this up. Uh, 
your first all-star game in Toronto, he assists on your goal from uh, Yager and Martin Ruchinski. Possible, possible. Yes, right. I, I know I did score a goal. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, no, we were, we were fine. Like, but yeah. we were, you know, we don't, uh, we don't visit each other's, you know, families or anything. And uh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, he had a, he had a hard. I think he had a hard time because, like I said before, I was, I was playing against the top lines, and usually it's playing against him, right? When you played the. Uh, whatever uh, team he was on, Pittsburgh, Rangers, later, all those things. So I, I, I will stop. And I know kind of how to get under the skin, those little slash, ah. slashes when nobody's, you know, across the wrist and, you know, go after his hands, right? And, <laughs> and I, I don't think he liked me for that very much. He's, uh, he wasn't a big fan of, uh, of me playing, you know. And he always like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, well, cannot just let you score, like, you know. He, he still did. I'm not saying he never scored <laughs> a lot of points, but instead of five, he's, he had two or three. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. We're going to move on to your Ottawa time. Before that, we're going to do Pearls of Wisdom, uh, where we learn a little bit more about you, uh, brought to you by sportsinteraction.com. So a couple of numbers for you. 689. That's the fifth most games played in franchise history. Four. Mm-hmm. You're the fourth youngest senator to score a goal. You were 19 years old. In 18 days, you scored against Pittsburgh. Uh, 76, first player in NHL history to wear number 76. Uh, Wayne Primo wore it that year as well, but he wore it at a later time. You're still the only senator to wear it. And 69, the assist on goals scored by Marion Hossa, the most of any teammate in your NHL career. That's how you and Haas got along so well. You just gave him a fuck. Haas was great. He was uh, an all-around player, just uh, helped me a lot in my career and, uh, you know, Obviously, now he's a Hall of Famer, and uh, you know nobody deserved it more. Um, your first 155 games in the National Hockey League, you had 33 wins. Uh, for those who don't know, you were the fourth, or sorry, you were the 1994 pick. You were third overall. Ottawa had selected Yashin and Deg as their first two first round picks just before you uh, in their franchise history. Did you think after coming from Vegas, where you had success? of how, like what a struggle this is going to be it was uh didn't well when i was coming they were already the worst team in the league right and yeah uh it was tough like that was tough as a hockey player you know you want to win and that was those first two years were tough and it wasn't until Jacques came along and gave us kind of a direction which way we have to play you know to be successful and he was great about you know, he knew what he wanted and he was really strict about players playing that way. And then he turned it around. But uh, any any player that was ever on the team that loses a lot, you know, we can tell you it's like you're you don't feel like playing anymore. Sometimes you're like, come on, like, where does this end? And sometimes yeah. you have a good games as a team and then you lose anyway. And that kicks you in the nuts even more. And so it was it was hard. And but I'm glad we. Uh, we worked through it and we got out of it. Uh, it, it did, you finally, you did. Uh, now, if I were to bring up the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, would you get a nervous twitch? Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was our, that was our, that was our kryptonite there for, for our playoffs. You know, they were, they were a tough team and, you know, no matter how good we did in the regular season, they were, they were, I think they were built a little bit better for playoffs yeah. as a team, you know, 
and uh, we were maybe sometimes more skilled and you know, but uh, come playoff times with you know the the rule changes, right? We, we played the season and you know exactly. pulled on us, and now you playoffs game and you got the bear hugs in the corners and you know and they had that kind of players they could play that game better I think than us than uh, you know and then over years it just became, became mental too you know we're like oh crap people these playoffs like but anyway we were we were close a couple times but they just couldn't you know hop that hurdle who was the other player Wally that we had on that talked exactly that it was Shane another guy that we did was it Nides that said that? That there yeah. was was there not another player prior though that had mentioned the playoffs? It was they always all a different it. team. They all say it. I guess it's a consensus <laughs> among the retired players. Yeah, yeah. Like because so the inconsistency bonky. in the officiating, right? Like you could yeah. clutch grab, so they had so much toughness and size that all your skill went out the window. And I think Nides was saying that like that team was built for modern day NHL, like the amount of skill and speed you guys had, right? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, exactly right. Like we. We would do better, like in this, uh, you know, last ten years. Hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. Yeah, we were kind of built. Uh, I yeah, like I said, I think they were built a little bit more for the playoffs. They had the guys, you know, that kind of, you know, meanness, toughness, and yeah. you know, needed to do whatever they needed to do, kind of to get us off our games, and uh, obviously, uh, unfortunately, worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yashin sits out the ninety nine two thousand season. You end up leading the team in points that year. So how would you look back at Yashin sitting out? Were you obviously happy-ish with it because of the success you got to have that year? Uh, we, we weren't happy about it. I think yeah. he, he still had a contract, right? Or yeah. the, 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 he, he wanted it renegotiated. We were we were kind of. How would I? How would I say it? Like I have nothing. I love Yashin. He was a great guy. He was quiet. He, you know, we always got along. Like it's hard, hard to say. We were, we were mad. We were just frustrated. Maybe you know, he was our top, you know, top offensive guy. But uh, mm-hmm. fortunately, it worked out for me. You know, I got to play more, and you know, and kind of the lead role, and so it was good for me. But uh, I don't think it was. Uh, I don't know if it was good for the team or not, but it was kind of frustrating. And uh, Yashi, like I said, Yashi, I never had problems with Yash. I think it was uh, more his uh, agent. I don't think his agent did a, you yeah. know, the advice he was getting. I don't think he he uh, should have listened to him as much as he did, you know, because he turned a lot of people in Ottawa against him, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. And uh, people always had that wrong idea about Yash, but like uh, Yash was a great guy. I didn't, I didn't mind him at all. We just had Shane Nighty on talking about Yash at training camp and Nides goes and fights him. Uh, do you remember that incident? I, 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 don't, I don't remember fighting him. I know he was chasing him around, but I don't, I don't think I remember. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's what nice. nice fairness. That was, that was nice. Nice. First year. That wasn't it. Yeah. 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 He that's what he said. Was he like, wanted to make the team. He didn't say he fought him though. He said he was going after him, right? Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah. I remember, I yeah, I don't remember fighting, fighting. I don't think Yash would fight. You know what? Yash would put a good fight. Yash was a strong man. So yeah. his, his forearms were unbelievable. Like he was a strong dude. Yeah. But I don't think he would fight him. And but nice, yeah. I kind of remember nice 
chasing him around and we were kind of thinking, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> <What's> the- <laughs> That's fine. Um, by the way, you finished with 399 career points in um, Ottawa. That is the sixth most in franchise history. Um, 0304. So I should go 0203, first of all. That season is the President's Cup tro- team. You have 52, 21, 8 and 1. Like you just dominated the league. Um, that becomes the Roger Nielsen moment in the playoffs. Can you take me through that moment of what that was like? Yeah, oh, I just got the shivers again. It was, it was, you know, we were, like you said, we had a great season and playoffs. We were good at playoffs. You know, then we play in Jersey. We fall down three, three to one. And then and Roger had his, uh, you know, speech in the locker room, which, which from that point we were like, okay, we're not gonna lose another game, in the, in the, you know, we got. And then we beat uh, New Jersey at home. One of those games, I think, game six, right? We won at home. Then we beat them at home. They haven't lost till then at home in the yeah. playoffs. So we beat them with the Phillies goal. Philly. And uh, they're coming home. Like, if I was a betting man back then, I would bet everything I had in my life that we're going to win that game. And that disappointment after that game, I, uh, that's still, it's still like when I think about back to my career, this is the, the one that got away, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, it was, and we wanted to win. And, you know, we played game seven at home and we couldn't lose. I don't think we could lose. I remember, I remember scoring a goal that game, tying it up at, I think at two beginning of third. And then Haas, Marion Haas uh, had maybe two or three breakaways. And that's the guy you wanted to have breakaways, right? And Martin Berdour, obviously, his freaking play was unbelievable. So he kept it in. And then I think with like two minutes left, we got scored on. And you got to hear a pin drop in the, in the, in the, the, the ring here. Like, in, okay, we got two minutes and... Yeah, that's that's still the one that I think about. Like that should have been our year all the way, and uh, uh, win for Roger too. And yeah. he was uh, he, that speech just motivated the guys. It was unbelievable how how deep that went. And uh, I still remember. I still remember as it was yesterday. Uh, that yeah, that whole playoff run was amazing to watch, and it. You just got a sense like that was the year Ottawa's going to win yeah. the Stanley Cup, and just had to. It felt like you just had to get by New Jersey, and you would have been okay. And I, that goal, I'll never forget it. Um, so the following season, you lose to the Leafs again, um, and then all of a sudden it's the big sell-off because you go into the lockout, right? And you guys come out of that without you, Haas, Todd White, Sean Van Allen, Patrick Laleem. Um, did you know that you were going to get traded? Which ended up, by the way, I didn't remember this. You got traded to L.A. to Montreal. It was a three-way trade. I don't. I didn't remember you going to the Kings before. But did you know that trade was coming? I I thought I thought I thought it would. You know, after you have a you have the exit interviews with the GM and uh, you know on the after the season. So you, I kind of got that feeling that probably. Played my last game there, and uh, you know, so did, so did probably more guys. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, then the lockout year, I played back home, and 
you know, then I got traded to, uh, well, before that, sorry, before that, I got traded. But uh, yeah, I, uh, funny thing that my agent called me from, uh, was it draft or just like Davis? I think it was draft day. You got, I got uh, traded. traded on June 26th. I might, might have been the draft day and my agent called me and said, you going to LA? I was like, oh, okay, well, I wasn't, you know, LA, okay, well. All I was thinking, like traffic every day and stuff. <laughs> so I was, but I said, okay, well, that, that's going to be a good change. And then maybe half an hour later, he calls me back. He says, never mind, you're going to Montreal. <laughs> I was like, oh. Well, that's uh, closer, I guess, you know. So I, it was, uh, I guess Montreal wanted me, you know, want to make a trade, but Ottawa obviously didn't want to trade me to a, to a, a division rival. And, uh, so uh, Montreal had to go through through LA to get me, and uh, that's how it's happened. Were you okay with the trade? Like, did it did it personally bother you a little just to know that you you weren't going to play with Ottawa anymore? Uh, I don't I don't know if personally bothered me. I like I kind of felt like you know, we had unfinished business here in Ottawa. You know, I, I kind of wanted like maybe another shot at it. You know what yeah. I mean? Kind of like. We were so close. Didn't matter. I guess that's that's the way it goes. So you you don't really think about it, and you're starting preparing for your new team. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say bother me. I just I just felt that you know that unfinished business here in Ottawa. Like wish it, I obviously wish it would end up a little bit differently. Uh, so I reached out to a couple of your former teammates just to see if I could find any good stories. One of them I, I got know. was. Uh, Ask him about trying to get on the power play and then out of the power play meetings as a hab. Something about uh, he led a passive aggressive protest to tell the coaches if we're not going to be on the ice on the power play, then we're not taking the 20 minutes before the game to listen uh, to the power play meeting. Do you remember this? What? The, sorry, what happened? <laughs> that you were I, on, I you were getting on the power play, but you didn't want to go to the power play meetings. I wasn't on the power play. I no, I think I think I think he's saying that because you guys weren't getting any PP time, what was the point of sitting through a twenty-minute meeting? It sounds a lot like something I would say, so I immediately yeah. understood it. So he's saying, why would I? Why would you go to those twenty-minute meetings if you weren't even going to get any power play time? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know if I ever if <laughs> so I ever said that or. Uh... <laughs> Is it maybe it's bullshit. it could be bullshit? I, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm sure everybody would feel like it. I don't know. I didn't think I led any protests about it, but <laughs> I I might have said it. I I don't know. It's uh it's Mike it's, Johnson told me it's, this. It's possible. Oh Mike Johnson, there you go. Yeah, that was my <laughs> uh that was my PK uh PK partner for a long time in Montreal. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's you know what if he probably remembers better than me. So if he says I said it, I probably said it. That sounds about right. I I remember a story about you, but I've never asked you, so I don't know if it's true. Uh, somebody's doing a power play, penalty killing meeting with the Sens. I don't know if it's Don Jackson or not. And uh, whoever they're talking about, a star on the team, got traded like two days before. And they're breaking down the entire power play meeting of, you've got to watch this guy. And you went, uh, coach, he was traded two games ago. Meeting yeah. <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, you know what? That was uh, 
well, most of the guys were kind of looking at each other and say, like, well, that's awkward. <laughs> like the whole power play was one, uh, pretty much 90% or the meeting was pretty much 90% about that guy. I was, we were, so we were like, like, who's going to tell him? <laughs> you know, you don't want to jump in uh, your coach's meeting and tell him. Eh. So, yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was, uh, that was awkward, very awkward. But it took us a while before somebody said something, you know, so it, it, like it went on for some time before we had the guts to tell him, uh, coach, uh, hate to tell you, but <laughs> this guy <laughs> no longer plays for that team. Man. Do you remember the player? Oh, my God. No, I, I don't think I no. can remember. But it was a star player. player. Yeah. A anyway. star player for sure, because that meeting, like I said, that meeting was 90% about him and about how he makes all the good plays and, you know, how we, we have to watch him. And so I, I remember, I, I wish I could. I, now I, I'm yeah. not going to, if I, if it comes to me during this interview, I'll, I'll, I'll you, tell you. But I'll, you tell me, um, you played, as I mentioned earlier, two all-star games in Toronto, 2000, and then in uh, Chicago, no, 2001. I can't Colorado. Remember. Colorado. That's it. Um, you won the f- second game 14 to 12. No, North America won 14 to 12 versus the world, I think it is. You played with Matt Sundin. And I was just curious if it, but like, what was that like facing? I don't know if, if it bothered you because he was a Leaf guy. Um, did any of that stuff ever rub off when it went to All Star games and stuff? No, no, not at all. You know, everybody knows, and Mark played too for a long time. You, you, you know, it's, what's on the ice, it's kind of personal on the ice, but then off the ice, it's the guys are so like, you know, they know that this is a business and this is this is something different. So you go to an all-star game and all the guys are awesome and you just uh, I was just so excited to be, you know, in the locker with so many good players and obviously mm-hmm. Matt Sandin, one of one of the best, if not the best guy in Toronto, one of the best for sure. And I was just happy to be around those guys, right? Because those were more like, okay, uh, what am I doing here? These guys are like way better than me. So I was just happy to be there. Nothing, nothing personal, nothing. I didn't hold any grudges against a mm. guy. You know, that was uh, guys are like that. You get traded all the time and then you come yep. to an old locker room and okay, this now this is my family. You don't, you don't think about, you know, oh, this guy body checked me three years ago. I'm going to be mad at him. You know, so that doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah, it's a lot less personal than most people think. Like, I remember going to the World Championships, and I was, I always tell the story like Kevin Bieksa and Alex Burroughs, I used to play against lots. We hated each other, but I played with them on a team. As soon as we see each other in the room, it's like nothing happened. Everyone's buddies. No one, we don't even think about it. So I couldn't agree more with what you said there. That's not true because Meth blames Burroughs for stealing his watch. Um, the uh, <laughs> true, that is true. It was so an old walking- TSO, though. We're okay. <laughs> Do you, you have a picture of Wayne Gretzky behind you. Do you remember, I, I think you're in the lineup and I meant to check, Gretzky's last game in Ottawa. Were you in that lineup? It would have been in 1999. Yes, I was. And uh, uh, that was the, yeah, I remember he was, you know, he's got the, like the half an hour standing ovation, all the people standing up. I I, I was on the ice, like after that, uh, I think it was a defensive zone face-off, you know, after he got this ovation during the game, that was a mid-game ovation, right? So we're just standing on the, on the boards and had, having 
watch just watching him do his thing you know and he's kind of like okay guys that's enough let's go play and the people just keep cheering and clapping more and so we, we go it's a defense's own face off and like i said i was like checking the top lines right so we're going to the face off in our zone and the guys on the bench kind of like you know you're gonna have to let him win the face off <laughs> you know <laughs> And I was like, well, no, like defensive zone face out, right? I cannot let him win it. No, no <laughs> and chance. And the guys are like, oh, you're going to be the biggest asshole if you don't. Like, look at this guy. He's, he's getting th- 30 minutes uh, standing ovation, you know, like, don't be a jerk. I was like, but I kind of considered it. I was like, should I? Like, <laughs> I like, I don't want to be that. But you know what? I didn't let him win the face out and uh, I beat him. I was, I was pretty good on face out, so. And Grez wasn't wasn't the strongest on faceoff, so I felt very confident. Maybe if it was a different uh, zone, you know, offensive zone or neutral zone, I would let him. But uh, I, I just couldn't. And the guys were laughing. Obviously, they were joking. But for 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 a little bit, I thought they were serious. I was considering, okay, maybe you know. But then I said, what if they score? And like that's not good. So I made the decision not to let him win, and uh, I stand by it still. That's so good. Uh- the end of the game. Do you remember Igor Kravchuk um, ended up with Gretzky's stick? Because you can see at the end of the game, Kravchuk skates around with Gretzky, and Gretzky ends up handing him his final stick from that game in Ottawa. Uh, I didn't. I didn't see that, but I remember uh, somebody got his stick. If it was Igor, I'm sure you know better than me. But uh, yeah, it's a. You know what? That, that was a great souvenir for sure. If you could, uh, uh, I guess I should be mad at myself. I didn't think about it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you, got, you know what, Gretz, you know, obviously best player that ever played and, you know, his records will never be broken. And uh, But uh, the picture, if you see, I have a Gretz, uh, actually it's signed by Gretz, and, uh, but the guy with him, that was my idol growing up, Yari Curry. So that's, uh, that's kind of why I have this picture, because obviously Gretz, the best of all time, and then my uh, idol from uh, growing up with him so that's uh more why i have this picture here ah so i do you, did you play much against yari i not a lot i i think yeah. first time i played against him he was in la you know i think he went to a couple more teams after that but uh, mm-hmm. you know what i remember lining up against him first time ever on the, you know, on the ice and this guy i looked up to you know when since i was little and it was one of those moments where you're realizing, holy crap, I, you know, I'm in the NHL. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is awesome. And, uh, you know, what I always liked him. He obviously play, played with grads, but I think he he was – he got a lot of points, and but I still think he was a little bit underrated for what he did. You know, he yeah. kind of let grads to do his, you know, work his magic and, uh, and uh, was a big part of, uh, you know, who Wayne is. Mm-hmm. Or was I mean, uh, no question. Um, I'm gonna. This may not be fair. I'm gonna ask you. Do you think you were underrated playing in Ottawa only because you had to play behind Yash, uh, and then there's the holdout, and you were always given the defensive role with with Haas. And I I understand at one point you were the number one center, but uh, it seemed you were always kind of second fiddle a bit. I, I don't I don't think so. It was uh, it was. It's hard coming, like, people don't realize that, like, coming to NHL, you know, it's a, I was always a, 
score like coming up i was I score a lot of goals you know since i was little i played with the older kids still score a lot of goals and you know so i was uh, then i went to vegas i had lots of goals there and you know kind of but then you come to nhl and you realize well all of these guys were scores at one time right yeah. so i had to change my game you know to kind of the defensive to i had to find my game to become more successful and change it around and I thank Jacques for it because he kind of gave me that uh, direction to uh, realize, okay, well, uh, nobody wants to play. <laughs> nobody wants to play defense, you know. You don't want to be <laughs> defensive forward. Now, you know, it's, now it's a uh... – so Jacques gave me this direction. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess that's what I got to do. And uh, and then I – like I said before, then I realized, okay, well, if I do a good job defensively, I'll take care of – the offense, you know, because Yaromir Jagger and all those guys, they didn't want to play defense. So, uh, ended up where it ended up, and um, I was grateful that I, you know, I was able to change my game to fit in more. Because, like I said, like most of the guys coming into the NHL are goal scorers at some point, and you think you're going to come here and score a lot of goals, just like you did all your life, but that doesn't work that way, right? It, like, mm-hmm. And it's still going on, and I was... You know, I was 18 years old. That's, yeah. I was uh, very young. And you can, like, right now, I think the development of young players right now is exceptional, right? Most mm-hmm. of the teams, they do a great job and they wait for the guy to be completely ready before we throw him in, right? Yeah. It's, you- it's hard to, you, you, you're the top scorer on every team you ever play on and then you go and you play. It's not a... You know, easy to play third line, fourth line, because some, you know, you're not built for that, yeah. right? So if you, you got to change. I had to change for me to, you know, get some success, and I did. And uh, I'm glad. Obviously, I'm glad I did. It made me uh, stay in the game for, you know, around 1,000 games and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, had a pretty successful career. 969 games, uh, Mr. Bonk played in the National Hockey League. You, um, a couple of Plus questions. Playoffs. I don't, I don't, that's the one, the story. I, that's the one thing I never understand. Why I they know. never count playoffs into the, into yeah, the, I, into the games, right? I'm, I, 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 the only reason they don't is because, well, not everybody plays in the playoffs. I'm like, well, so you should still be rewarded. You played 73 playoff games at 27 points. Um, but yeah. it just gets ignored. It's like, yeah. like, like with ice time. It's like, no, you know, you know, you score 50 goals, but you play 20 minutes a game. You know, you score 20 goals, but you play 15. Like, does, does the reward, you you play on a team, you do a good job, you play on a team that makes the playoffs, it should count, right? Yeah, I, I'm with like, you. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just bitter because 31 games, you know, till 1,000, and I kind of wanted to get there, but I didn't. So that's yeah. just bitterness. It's just a number. We're yeah. going to call it 1,042 games from now on for you. Uh, I'm going to add the, the two together. It's I, I, you, uh, I, who's going to deliver? Who's going to deliver the silver stick to me though? <laughs> or, or the Rolex? Got to oh, get a Rolex too. I, I remember having to pay for Neeler's Rolex. I had to pay for Philly's Rolex. <laughs> a lot of money. Yeah, I don't. I don't care about the Rolex. I'm not the big watch guy, so I'm not the fancy guy. So, but you know, the gold, the the silver stick. They, the players always that would be nice. A uh, nice souvenir. Yeah. Maybe right, right next to Gretz and the Ari right here. <laughs> I'll, I'll make some calls. The uh, first time you played against Ottawa as a member of Montreal, how much money did you put on the board? 
that I don't remember. Ooh, that's I'm, a good I'm question. Sure, I'm sure. I'm sure it was a lot because uh, you know I played here. I played in Ottawa ten years, so I'm sure it was a lot, and it was personal a little bit. You know, I wanted to win, so I'm sure. Let's say let's say thousand. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it was probably around five hundred. I would say maybe even thousand. You know, I, I'm not sure, but uh, I remember it was a lot because that was uh, that was a big game for me. Hmm. If it was Sean Van Allen's first game against his former team, how much money would be on the board? <laughs> Sean would find a find a reason why not to put money on. <laughs> you know what? No nobody ever liked to put money on. You know when? Uh, no. Uh, it sucked because guys found any smallest detail why you should put up, and uh, you know we had. Uh, I'm going to mention against Brad Joel or. Yeah. Uh, massage therapist and he was he had that the book you know with all the yeah, book yep he re, he remembered every you know every every detail about every city and there was you know games when you felt pretty say okay well I'm good I don't have to put up but then the guys came up with some kind of start or some reason yeah. and they were like oh crap yeah they'd be I like oh, I... oh Bucky you got your first assist here in Montreal money on the yeah, board yeah. like I, I'm getting PTSD from those words that you're mentioning right now because <laughs> I'm the same way uh, it's yeah. like fuck another 500 bucks another grand whatever you know it's, it always added you know, up. it was it was the heckling in the lock was always awesome because you know guys are like always oh I'll put up 100 and we we're like Okay, cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> oh, the cheap. Well, then oh then, then he came to you, and then you were like, whoa, whoa I got out of it. Guys got over it. Uh, uh, yeah, that was, that was hard. It was uh, a lot of money put up. And uh, you know what? But he went to a good cause, right? We always threw a big party on the end of the season. And uh, yeah. And so then you try to, the money you put in, you try to spend it, you know, by drinking expensive wines. And so, oh, I put a lot of money in there. I'm going to drink. Uh, it was it was always fun. It was uh, good, uh, good to be, you know, re- little relaxed before the games because I was kind of yeah. like you know, before we went on the ice and that uh, you know got you think about a little bit. You know, it's it lights up, yeah, it that lights up the mood. For sure. game. Yeah, yeah. And did did you guys bonky? Did you guys play uh, the credit card game on the road? Like, because I know oh, when that. I played in Columbus, we had a Czech mafia on our team. Like there was like seven Czech players on our team, and these guys. Like once in a while, I'd get invited out to eat with them and they were animals, like always very expensive wines, really nice restaurants. And they would play the credit card game. So eventually I'm just like this, like I'm not going anymore. So I'm assuming you were probably one of those credit card game guys. Uh, I was, I was always in poor game. And you know what, like, <laughs> you know, I had a great, I have a great story about that too. Uh, when uh, uh, we're playing in Florida, I think we were in uh Playing Florida first and then uh, Tampa, but we're going to a Craig. Uh, we're going to a restaurant for a nice steak, and it was. I think it was only like the Czech guys. I was in Slovakian, like me, Haas, uh, Marty, Zdeno, you know. And uh, so we go to a nice. There was maybe five. Was we go to a nice restaurant in, uh, in down in Miami somewhere for a big steak and. So we were like, okay, let's Craig our game, right? So everybody's nervous. Everybody's nervous because those restaurants, you know, you those were expensive. You guys, yes. hundred bucks, hundred bucks each at least, right? With the, oh, at least you no know, other. Even glass of wine was like thirty bucks, you know. Yeah. Because we drank the good stuff, 
couldn't couldn't tell the best stuff against good stuff. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> we picked by the price. Oh, this is this is gonna be good because it's, it's anyway. So we play Croatia game, and sure enough, Zdeno Zdeno loses right, and he he's mad. Like Zdeno's great guy, or like, but he was back then. He didn't make a lot, yeah. right? And he was always money conscious, so yeah. he hated. Plus, he hated losing. So he lost the credit card game in Florida. So he's he's <laughs> mad at us. It's like, oh, you guys stuck me into it. Like, come on. It's like, whatever. So we play Florida. We go over to Tampa. We have another day before we play Tampa. We go to Ruth Chris. Now 14 guys are going. <laughs> 14 guys are going for a steak. Ruth Chris. Remember Ruth Chris? It's not a cheap yeah. again. Yeah. So 14 guys sitting around the table. Somebody yells out, oh, credit card game, right? And you feel comfortable. It's 14 guys. You cannot lose, right? Because, well, one of you has to lose. But <laughs> So, check is like $1,500, right? Yeah, now we're like, everybody, everybody's sweating, right? <laughs> everybody wants to play, but everybody's that, you know, 5% nervous that it's going to be them. And then I was like, nope, I'm not, I'm putting on my share. I'm not playing. Oh. And for five minutes, I'm like, come on, Zdeno. Like, what's, what are the chances? Like, like this 14 of us, there's <laughs> no chance. So with me and Haas talked him into playing again. And he's not happy about it, but he's like, oh, well, I guess. So he throws a query card in. Surely enough, you can guess what happened. <laughs> <laughs> no way. The taxi, the taxi ride home. Or back to the hotel, nobody talked. Zeno was <laughs> the big, biggest guy sitting up front. You know, we're not, we're not saying anything. We're not laughing. Like we're not making fun of him because we, we want to live. Yeah. So, <laughs> so cop ride back to a hotel, quiet. You know, and kind of behind his back when he leaves. You know, we're like, oh, this is unbelievable. Like, what are the chances? I don't think he talked to us for like a couple of weeks. He's, he was mad. <laughs> he was mad, That's especially at me and Haas, because we kind of, you know, pushed him to throwing oh, the yeah. crate in. And he, after two weeks, I think he said a couple of words to us. He, he was not happy. And uh, I know he's uh, done well for himself. Uh, you know, uh, he's made that. enough. Yeah. I, I, think, I, think, I think he would be still the same way. And uh, <laughs> you know what? That's... Uh, does he and 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 he doesn't drink, right, Bonky? Like, wasn't he pretty health conscious too? So if you guys went and had these elaborate dinners with good wine, I'm assuming he didn't drink any wine, or did he drink? A I, little he, bit? he would. He would. You know, okay. he was he was very. But he, he like just like everybody else. You know how he was. We didn't. There wasn't a big party. We played the next night, so everybody had a glass of moderation wine, wine with the dinner, right? Yeah. And I I think. Uh, I remember him having a glass of wine. There's nothing wrong with uh, that. Either. I've always heard that he was like this like super health health freak, health conscious guy that never drank at all. That's what I was told. It's, he, he was. He was. But I've, I've seen him have a you know glass of wine with dinner or stuff. Good. Good. He was he was he was a health freak though. He's, he liked to you know work out. He was working out was his hobby. Like, was he doing? Was he doing it at the rink like all the time after games? And st- I'm I'm asking you a lot of Zidane chair questions because he was my favorite player when oh, I was yeah. like in my teens. He was. So he I was, was curious. He was working out all the time, and yeah. he was like before practices, after practices, you know. After he went home after like we had the practice and then we had workout, and he went home and you know some guys watch movies, listen to music, 
Then they're like, what are you doing? I'm, well, I'm going to work out. I was like, seriously? So he worked out in his house after, right? After <laughs> just just because it was his hobby. And you know, yeah. obviously he you know he benefited from that, but that was his he loved it. He wow. He was he was so strong. It's he was a he was a beast. Yeah. Do you ever <clears throat> since that day of the credit card game, have you ever brought that back up to him years later? No, no, never. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we I don't think we ever did. Uh, we don't <laughs> You don't want to. You don't put a. You don't put your poke hand in a. You know. Yeah, you, you don't, don't put a hand in a cage with a tiger in it, ever. <laughs> Doesn't matter how how you know how much they tell you. Oh, he's a friendly friendly tiger. Nope. Uh, I don't think we 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 always talk about it when he wasn't around and yeah. you know how funny it was. But I don't think we ever brought it up to him. Yeah. I would. I would be. I. I would think I would be pretty safe now. But uh, you know, I haven't seen him in a long time, so I don't know. <laughs> Send him a text. Um, I want to know about one guy we've never really talked about in the show is Alex Degg. Uh, he was drafted the year before you. What are your impressions on him? Because uh, you were in the room. And he's one guy that doesn't get talked about a lot, but certainly he's the reason there became a salary cap for rookies and all kinds of stuff. Um, can you give me your assessment of Alex Degg? I I didn't mind Alex at all. I think we were, we were buddies. Uh, like he was a... Uh, very, I would say flamboyant. Uh, what do you call flamboyant? flamboyant? Like eyes closed and you know, yeah, yeah, stuff around. But as a, as a person, like I like Alex. He was he was a great guy. Like you know, a little, little different. He was a very confident man and or kid or whatever, and <laughs> you know, like to have fun and stuff. But I there's nothing I can say bad about Alex. Like uh, you know, he, he was the he was the creator of a. You know, he like a, in the warm-ups, you know, you go back then, we didn't wear uh, kids in the warm-ups. So he was the creator. He liked to look good, right? We always like, okay, no bucket, but you came out, but he was in front of the mirror, you know, Do make sure. Hair. The hair. <laughs> he, he's the creator of the famous uh, look good, feel good, feel good, play good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah he, but, but you know what? He, I liked him. I, I can't say nothing bad about it. It was a, he was a young guy and uh, fitted well. Uh, I, like I know a lot of guys have problems with them. I, I, I never did. Hmm. Did you mind switching your number from seventy six to fourteen? Fourteen was actually my uh, my number. Like growing up, you know, so I liked fourteen better. I I went to Vegas and uh, we had a player. I think he was an assistant playing assistant coach too. Mark Hapshide, you remember Mark Hapshide yep. for sure. He he wore 14, so that's the reason I didn't wear 14 in Vegas because I did want it. So I switched the number of the year that I was born, right? 76, and that kind of transferred to NHL. And then when 14 became available, you know, I I didn't want to switch. Like I wasn't planning on switching, but we went to low numbers and uh, 14 was open, so I was uh, I was uh, happy that uh, I ended up with 14. Uh, two questions is, should Daniel Albertson be in the Hall of Fame? And I know that's a biased question since you played with him, but what are your thoughts of him not being in the Hall? For sure, he should. In my mind, is, you know, uh, <laughs> that winning, not winning Stanley Cup, it's going to, you know, I'm... I'm Thinking that they're gonna give him that, you know, the run around and yeah. make him wait a little bit. But uh, 
I hope and uh, I think he should uh, that he will get there one day. Uh, everybody that's been on our show that's played for Jacques Martin usually has a Jacques Martin story. Do you have one? <laughs> Jacques, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm sure I do. I, Jacques was a great guy. I, I loved him as a, as a coach. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't really person person. You know, he wasn't really warm and fuzzy. Warm and fuzzy and uh, always... Uh, he tr- sometimes he tried. He tried really hard sometimes to be like funny and be one of the guys, but he wasn't. I kind of looked at it was like, okay, bud, you're trying too hard. Like, so, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Did you enjoy his the... pregame uh, uh, in the uh, preseason? He would always go somewhere for a team bonding. Uh, did you enjoy those events? That that was good. That was uh, that was good. Uh, we always a lot of there was a lot of always a lot of fun, Ned, and you know, kind of that team building. And uh, there was always night when we went out, everybody went out as a team, you know. And so that was good. That was uh, I never minded that you know we did, we did some uh, we did some fun stuff, and uh, you know what that uh, people still do it. People still you know that team building it's it's important, and uh, you know it was on to it and helped us and. But Jacques, yeah, Jacques was, uh, he was a, uh, there's another guy, I cannot say bad thing about it. He helped me mm-hmm. a lot and uh, I think he was a great coach and uh, obviously had some uh, more success after he left here. And uh, Yeah. Do you, when you're, so you become a coach now to minor hockey for your sons. Do you ever find yourself thinking that's what Jacques did? <laughs> I don't know, it's a, uh, you know what? We're we're brought up kind of like same. Now it's different. The coaching now is different. You kind of be you kind of kind of heavy, like psychologist. Most yeah. like it's so different. You have to really now. manage. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can, yeah. As a head coach, you kind of have to let your co- you know other two coaches coach, and you manage the personalities around and. Yeah, you know, Jacques didn't do that. He was like he treated everybody <laughs> the same. Now every player requires treatment. You know, this guy, you know, this guy you can push hard. This guy you have to be very careful with what you say. Like, it's it's a hard coaching now with the kids. It's uh, I'm still learning. Still learning how to approach, especially like uh, you know, kids between I don't know, let's say 10, 15, right? And yeah. you have 10. Ten years old, they still believe everything you say, and uh, fourteen, fifteen, they think they know everything. You know, growing up, hormones going, you know, puberty. So it's uh, still uh, still a lot to learn. Like, I, I I think I know a lot about the game, but how to you know how to coach, yeah, efficiently, especially the young young uh, young players. It's uh, it's uh, can be challenging. Do you tell them, do, are they on their cell phones all the time now? That's something that I didn't grow up with and Wally or yourself didn't have. Like, is that something you guys have to manage too, is the social media? Uh, well, I'm coaching U13 now and I don't, uh, we have, uh, you have to have a couple dads in the locker room all the time. Oh, okay. I didn't so know that. We're not, uh, before, be, we only come into the locker room, like, let's say before a game, 10 minutes before a game and just kind of talk about the game. So we don't even see the kids like preparing right they go for their Got warm it. up and come back to room and we have two designated dads 
that that stand just in the locker room making sure everything's uh yeah. I, I think i think it's a like the thing you have to do now so we don't i don't i know the kids play music and at 12 you're still a little bit too young for uh, social media but a couple of years ago when i coached uh, you know the major bantam major bantam uh, myers i know the social media was big for them and you know some guys uh, you know uh, had their phone in their hand all the time and uh, yeah. you know that's unfortunately the, the our time right like we did we didn't have that which was awesome which was awesome because there was more i agree between the guys and you know uh you we were a lot know. happier we were a lot yeah, happier I, just I, talking I, to each other i, I think know. so like people people now know everything because of their phones but doesn't really make them smarter right no but yeah, uh, that's but unfortunate like and i use my phone all the time and it's great so, so, many, so many things right yeah. But uh, there's a, I guess, downfall to it too. Yeah. Uh, Alfie's on the bench coaching Pembroke. You're coaching. Uh, Jason York's coaching. Chris Neal's coaching. Uh, who makes the best coach of all the former senators? Probably me. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> a, I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually coaching against Neeler. He coaching the Silver Seven. You know, Double A U13. His son's on there, so. We do coach against each other, and they they have a really good team. I think they might be uh, leading our league. Uh, they're first or second, you know. Men and are they're probably the two strongest team in our league. And uh, but every time we play Neeler, you know, we play four times and uh, we tie them first two games. Now we beat them two in a row, and you know, I, it's always kind of a little little personal. It's nothing to do with me. It's about uh, the kids. The kids. Canada and uh, Silver Seven have this rivalry, right? So the kids always step up and they, uh, you know, try extra hard when they play. They play Silver Seven, so he hasn't beat me this year yet. And you know, he always players always like, oh, I will coach them, you know, <laughs> which is <laughs> minimum minimum coaching goes into the game, right? You teach them skills and stuff, but it, yeah. But uh, I saw him, I beat him last week on Wednesday, Thursday. I saw him with Sheshukad, you know, I was having lunch there with my buddy. He came in with his, he looked at me. I was like, ah, oh, you're the only team. You guys are the only team we, I haven't beat yet this year, you know. So I kind of make me feel good. I was like, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll totally outcoach you. But Before we let we let you go, um, who's this? You've played with a lot of characters in Ottawa, particularly. Who is the strangest teammate you had? Strangest teammate? <sighs> I don't know. He doesn't strike me for the kind of guy that would throw a player under the bus based off of this conversation today. No, so no, no. It's I not think uh, under the Damian bus. Damian Rhodes. I, I don't know. We always, um, you know, usually, usually the goalies are... Yeah, they're weird. So ...different. But, you know, we had Tugger and Patty, like, they're normal. Rosie was a little bit. Made him maybe Peter Schaefer. Oh, Peter Schaefer. Yeah, yeah. He was he was a little little different guy. Great guy. I'm not you know he was a great guy and stuff, but he was he was a little bit you know with his uh, stick. Have you ever seen Peter Schaefer's stick? No, the curve on it was ridiculous. Oh my was god! Curve, it was like curve straight. Like this? Then, then it was like like 
You look yeah. more like right-handed stick than left-handed stick. <laughs> I think I think wherever wherever he went after sense, I think they made him switch his stick. Like his coach told him, you're not gonna play if you don't change your stick. <laughs> he went to Boston. That's yeah, so good. He, he he was he I would say he was a little bit he wear this funky clothes, you know, and I'm pretty regular guy, like wearing, you know, jeans and sweatshirts is fine with me. But he would he was always like the you know fashion guy that you know yeah. you see the clothes like 10 years later and you're like oh i know where he was going with that you know <laughs> <laughs> but i but i don't i don't think i had any like weirdos on the on the teams uh, even the goalies were pretty normal from yeah, what nice. i hear from other guys that you know about talking about their goalies but we had, yeah. uh, we, had we always had a group in ottawa and uh, you know That's i loved good. my time here as a always tight group and lots of young guys and some vets that fit in, you know, great. And you know what? Uh, I remember those times and I always, you know, think about it. I, great time, great time here. Maybe one of the reasons why I moved back here to live because I always uh, felt good here and uh, now uh, it hasn't changed all these years. Yeah, and we appreciate you, Bonky. Like for ten years, you were so good uh, to watch play and fun to be around the room, even if you were a little crusty to me. So I enjoyed uh, you being around. I appreciate you taking the time today to talk to us. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. Like I was pretty nervous. You asked me about it, and I, of course, I say yes because I thought, oh, it's gonna be fun. And then Wednesday's getting closer, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, I haven't done like interview. You're excellent. I haven't been in that kind of spotlight for a while. I was like, huh. Then then I'm like, well, maybe nobody listens to it, (laughs) which I know. (laughs) That's true, too. It's not true. Partially correct. It's not true because a lot of people have been saying, uh, you know, great things about your podcast. So I I don't know. I was just trying to make myself a little bit more relaxed. But like since nine o'clock this morning, I was like, okay, well, (laughs) make sure I go to. Make sure I go to the bathroom before I, you know, get on. <laughs> Make sure I have, you know, I drink enough water before, you know, I don't want to get thirsty. I, and it was, well, it was a little. And cannabis know, is and, legal and now, like, funky. I've hey. been around long and, uh, you know, I speak decent English, I would say. But sometimes I still think, oh, crap, just don't say something stupid. You know, it's <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, it's been following me since, you know, it's hard oh. for somebody who doesn't. You know the the native language, you know. Yeah. Really, no, uh, but then I, I have to say, like back home when I was doing uh, interviews, uh, like when I played the last five years and I was doing interviews, and because I was used to doing interviews about hockey in uh, in English, yeah. then interviews in Czech were you know I threw English words in it all the time. We were like for Czech and. Uh, you know, net and like, <laughs> it just, and it's just uh, my brain was kind of thinking in English. Yeah. You know, you know, when you learn language, you kind of have to translate it inside your brain. But then now I'm kind of, when I hear English, I already think in English, right? I don't have to translate it anymore, but it's still, it's, uh, I'm a little, a little nervous. Every, uh, you, know, you were excellent today. Back when I did the interviews and like I said today, it wasn't, it wasn't easy, you know. Every minute getting closer, I was. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna text them and say I'm sick or something. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it. Like if I make a commitment, I like you know, I wouldn't uh, say anything. 
until yeah. you know there was something serious but i wanted to do this i i think you know you guys are doing a great job and uh, i think it would be fun but like i said i was uh i was pretty nervous i have to admit well uh, you did a great job and we yeah. appreciate it thank you much appreciated so bonky uh we're going to do part two because there's a lot more questions I need to ask you still about uh, some of your teammates and playing outdoor games and all kinds of stuff. So um, don't lose my number. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot, guys, for having me and uh, kind of guiding me through. You guys did an excellent job, but, you know, not putting, you know, hopping in when you needed to uh, help me a lot. Good luck yeah. with your podcast. And uh, anytime you, you know, want to talk about something, let me know and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll sweat it out for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bonky. Thanks, Bonky. Appreciate right, it, you guys. Have a good night, man. Uh, the Wild Method Show brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating Inc. BEI specializes in excavation, grading, drainage projects, also equipment rentals, aggregate, and topsoil sales. Visit BonisherExcavating.com. BEI, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Craig. Uh, happy anniversary. Hey. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, boy. Happy anniversaries to you guys as well. It's a big day. Uh, Matt, you know, our games. Us. I was yeah. going to say, the fact you haven't killed us all is probably a testament to uh, you. Uh, I love it. Whenever you're like, Craig's going to kill us, it's like, ah, Craig wants to hear you guys talk <laughs> about sports and shit. So, yeah, Craig doesn't know <laughs> you guys want to go off topic. So, uh, it's so good. I, I got a story. I just, when Radic Bonk brought up going to Ruth's Chris and the, oh, the credit card game one and yeah, how yeah, much yeah. it cost. So, Back in the old days, when before Bell bought TSN, we used to be able to go anywhere and have just expense accounts. We could order anything. So I remember having like $52 room service in New York for breakfast and all that stuff. So we're in Philadelphia. It's around 99, 2000, I want to say. We go to Ruth's Chris and we sit, my cameraman and I sit down and we order steaks and it just shows up. <laughs> and we're like, where's the rest of it? Like, don't I get some like veggies and stuff? They're like, oh, you have to order all that stuff. <laughs> so now we're ordering up asparagus and potatoes. And anyway, so we get the bill. It's like $300. And I'm terrified I'm about to get fired because I'm whatever, 25. And I've never had a $300 bill. So I call my the, the expense guy in Toronto. I'm like, I'm sorry. I, we just had this dinner. And they're like, okay, do not do that again. But I hope you enjoyed your meal. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so yeah. Three, it was like 320. Yeah, the like, a, la, a la carte, all yeah. the big steakhouses down there. It's yeah, you have to order your, yeah. your sides I, separately. Yeah, I felt like such a loser for like not knowing I had to order asparagus and stuff on the side, just a plate, just a well, piece the same of meat. Name. How the sad did thing. your little burnt uh, steak look <laughs> on, on its own with not, no sides? Just one little burnt I, steak. I, I'm sure I would have. Uh, what do they call it when they cut it in half and they and they I don't know. Anyway, they fillet it or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the same the same thing happened to me, but like way different situation. This is toward the end of my career. And I was on the road and Ellie went out with a bunch of the girls in Dallas to like a really nice steakhouse. And of course, in Dallas, they don't just have normal steaks. You can get the A5 Japanese Wagyu steaks and the Australian Wagyu. The, there's like different levels to that, right? So I'm on the road and I think the, we were playing that night and I get a text from her. And she's like, oh my God, Mark, you'll never believe what happened. And I'm thinking like, oh, what happened? Like she's pregnant at the time. So I'm like a little scared. Yeah. What could have happened? In the end, it had nothing to do. Everything was fine with Jack, our, our, our unborn son at the time. She had ordered six ounces of Japanese A5 Wagyu that I believe came up to like 350 American dollars just for <laughs> the meat alone on her plate. 
So I'm thinking like, but I can't get mad at her because of course that's disingenuous to a degree because I'm on the road and she's at home alone. And at the same time, she's yep. pregnant. So I don't yep. want to get her upset. You say anyway. Nothing. So, but like 350, she's never done it again since, but 350 American for red meat, like, like half, half the normal portion that I would have of a normal steak. Anyway, this goes to show you how insane some of those prices are. And anyway, she had a bit of a panic attack, but we got through it. Was it delicious? <laughs> Because I imagine it would probably be pretty delicious. Yeah, like you can cut it. You can just cut it with your fork. Like you could just dig right into it, like and scoop it up with your fork. That's how yeah, soft those we got to try are. one of those, like the whatever the highest whatever flown in from Japan one in Vancouver once uh, for, before the draft, and it was ridiculous. oh nice. It was they're ridiculous. so good. They're like and they're they're very marbled. Like you can buy them at the stores here. Obviously not yeah. Japanese grade. They're much cheaper, but they're very very fatty, and you can't cook them for as long. Yeah. Wally, I don't. I feel like Wally wouldn't like them because you have to like leave them a it's little like medium juicy rare and, and like flavorful and yeah yeah yeah. yeah but they're so marble. They're almost like pale looking. It's yeah. like a white steak. Yeah. It, anyway. If you buy it and cook it, I will eat it. Oh what a what okay. a what. What a, a sacrifice you're making. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you buy the most expensive red meat. And I'll try it. Wally, you're a warrior. Okay. Yeah. All right, yeah. fine. I'll eat some of that expensive meat. I will make that sacrifice for this show. Okay. Just right. wash it, it down good. with a $500 bottle of wine if I have to. Yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I got yeah you. I'm, I'm cheap with my wine. Well, not cheap, but I don't, I'm not a big wine, expensive wine drinker. I like yeah. my medium priced wine. Yeah. yeah what would, okay. So if you, uh, we're sitting home on a Friday, just having some wine. What's the price of the bottle? Uh, around 20 bucks. Like it's yeah. not cheap, but it's not super expensive. You know, I've, I've got friends that have made far less money, drink much more expensive wine. So it, oh, yeah. it's just preferences. Yeah. Like, like 20 is kind of the sweet spot for me. I have found one bottle of wine. That's I think it's 23 or 24 bucks at the LCBO. And I, Which I just, one? it's called CS. Oh. Anyway, it's Ooh, a, I've never heard of that one. It's, okay. It's, re, it's really, really good. So what is it? Is it, is it a red, white, Pinot? Yeah, it's a Cab So. Cab? Yeah. It's Cab So. Oh, see, yeah. You're like, so you like those Cab So. See, I'm a Pinot Noir guy. I like them a little. Is mind Pinot? I also like a Malbec. It just depends on the mood. Depends on the mood. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like to talk about this, but did you guys know that I failed a wine class in university? <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean to say you were going to become a sommelier? No, I took as an elective first year because i was like introduction to oh, wine okay. i was like hell yeah so i it, there was a lab and every every tuesday from like two to four how, and how I would does just, one fail that course well here's the hard part is like the other people in the course like they were actually taking like oneology or whatever and some of these people uh, owned, owned wineries and i was yeah, just some yeah, yeah. idiot thinking like eh, drink wine <laughs> this, should, this should be a hoot i'll yeah. just go drink wine and pass oh. this course yeah so because i yeah. lived on campus i didn't have to like they'd make you so, taste the wine and spit it out i would just get every tuesday from two to four or yeah. I drink like three bottles of wine and it was all, I probably got my money's worth, but I definitely failed that course. I'm colorblind too, which is, uh, so that when you have help. to spot like the tiny little differences and everything, that yeah. was bad at it. So I failed that. That is okay. so good. Not a, well, not a, not a wine guy. So listen to Brent's uh, recommendations and not mine. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, no. by the way, it's our, as I said, our one year anniversary Matt, Do you have a, no, I know you don't, but do you have a favorite moment? Oh, I, that's what I thought. That's a really hard. I, I hate the awkward silence that I'm creating right now. I just, I can't pinpoint one thing in particular. I, for me, I love just, I love talking hockey. Obviously you guys know that. Um, yeah. I like some of the intricate things that Craig and, and Alex had created, like the Methernet stuff, I think is really funny. Some of the editing skills. 
obviously while you're a pro and doing all these great rundowns for me have been terrific too. Um, I, I just, I think I just love the production value that we're able to bring. You know, if I'm going to be honest with you, I think that's my favorite part of the show when I'm watching it, it just looks so professional and we've done a pretty good job. I think. Uh, what, about, what, what about you? I just, I, if there was anybody ever says like, what should I watch in your show? I'm like, watch the live show where meth cramps up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. I forgot about that. When they get the, the, the hamstring cramp. Yeah. Oh, and then you sit back down and you, and you have to get back up again. Because I sat down prematurely <laughs> yeah. because I'm like, we're live or whatever. So I got to, I got to sit down and figure my shit out. Cause you and Ian were still talking. Yeah. And then I, I sit back down and bam, it caught me again. So yeah, that so was the moment. If I had a, I wish now, and I look back, I, like all our early shows, I wish we could do over again because they'd be so much better. But that particular show, I was caught off guard as I'm trying to announce like the fourth overall pick or something. In it was the draft. McTavish. It was Mason McTavish. Yeah. yeah so I'm, I'm trying to like keep it together. And I've never, like, I've never had a guy as a co-host walk off a set or do anything. So I, I don't know how to handle it. Had I known, I would have shut everything down and watched this all play out. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. And, and, and on, and on that note, um, for those who are, are even remotely interested in McTavish or even Tyler Boucher, I'm doing their game tomorrow in Hamilton. So if they want to tune in, uh, to watch at least Boucher, a little sends action there. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good for you. Uh, Craig, do you have a moment since you, uh, get to sit here and stare at us become idiots? Yeah, I was going to say the live show stuff, too. I, I like the ability that you guys have now to, like, kind of listen to the chat. And I, it's cool to see how that influences kind of the interviews and stuff we get to do now. People will say, hey, ask him about this. It's pretty neat because that's kind yeah. of I mean, it's I think it's always cool when we get an opportunity to ask these guys questions I want to know. So I think yeah. it's pretty, pretty sweet that we're able to kind of facilitate that for fans now. And that's it's dug up some good stories for us. So I'd say that I like the live shows. They're pretty yeah. they're pretty fun. It adds a little more element. Right. What could go wrong? Like if something was wrong here, I'll just fix it. But if it yeah. happens live, like it's pretty funny. So I kind of like the, the, the lack of a net that we get to work with on those ones. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know what? That should probably be more whitewater sponsor that that should be a complete yeah. drinking of whitewater the entire show. Anyway. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the next year should be good. We're going to have to get some uh, more guests on lined up. Uh, we're going to think bigger, get some different guys that we have uh, planned for the show. Uh, that should be pretty entertaining. Then we're going to try and get Matt to do some more fun stuff. I would like to, at some point, I don't know how we're going to have to try to work this into the show. And I know we talked yeah. about it in the past, but even to get like a, it, ha, it would have to be a legitimate person and definitely not live, but maybe get like a fan or two on here and we can have like a Royal Rumble or style argument on like contentious topics. You know what I mean? So like, for example, Brandstrom, you know, I could go back and forth with someone that really pushes for him where maybe I'm a little more critical. I think that would be very interesting. Yeah. yeah I so think what you could get the entire fan base then again. Yeah. The, the only, the only <laughs> like challenge is having somebody on and starts dropping F-bombs and yelling and screaming at me. So that's something we'd have to avoid. Yeah. That's I, more for Twitter. I think I will get, <laughs> I will get somebody. Bring it on. <laughs> Almost yeah. like a debate series, right? We'll, we'll have yeah, some yeah. topics, pick your sure. side debate. Yeah. We we'll, can bring we'll, work, we'll work something sure. in like that. That'll be exciting. I think for some people. So yeah. we'll see if we can figure that yeah, out for sure. Looking like forward it. to it. As always, uh, thank you once again to uh, gongshowgear.ca. Head on over to gongshowgear.ca. Always have sales on, but also you can pick up some wear merchandise like Meth's lovely hat, uh, Craig's sweatshirt, yeah. or uh, T-shirts as well. So go over to uh, gongshowgear.ca, who's uh, always been very good to us. And to thank you to all our sponsors over the past year, especially Whitewater, 
uh, Sports Interaction, BEI, and Gong Show uh, for helping us out through this first year. We look forward to year number two. And to all of you who have watched, thank you. And if you liked it, maybe hit like and subscribe. I don't get to say that enough, and Craig would like you to do that. So uh, we will see you all again uh, soon. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend.